Welcome to Teacher Pop, a podcast where teachers discuss pop culture topics and how they can apply to teaching in the classroom. I'm your host, Jordan Billings, a seventh grade social studies teacher who loves being in the classroom and talking about all things pop culture. Let's get into today's topic. All right, welcome to this episode of uh, Teacher Pop. We're continuing our uh, 80s trend and we are talking about the amazing 1985 movie, Back to the Future. We have got a couple of amazing returning guests with us. We've got Kyle Manuel, we've got Ryan Stevens. Guys, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having us. This is awesome, excited. Right, super excited. Yeah. All right, so... um, we usually start with a recap of what's going on with the movie. And Kyle, you are up. Recap the movie for us. All right. I'll, I'll bring it back into a nutshell. So essentially, Back to the Future is about uh, uh, maybe even a dynamic duo in some cases. But it's the adventure of, of a young man as he uh, accidentally goes back in time in, in order to save his mentor from impending doom. And while he's there, he uh, accidentally participates in what you would lovingly call the butterfly effect. And um, yeah, he, he accidentally almost erases himself from all of time. So he spends majority of the movie trying to ultimately fix what he has undone while, uh, while they uh, fix up the time machine and get him back to his own timeline. As in back to the future. So, um, all right, I, uh, as we're kind of going through the, the movie again, if you guys are kind of thinking of anything like, ooh, this is totally a, a great thing. So we're, um, we're seeing the beginning of this movie and it's this kind of like mysterious, interesting thing where I have all these clocks and everything. So you see this like back to the future, you get these clock ticks and then you have this entire room that is like completely full of clocks and there's no real kind of like explanation of stuff. And I will say that was one of the things that really can draw you in and have that mystery of stuff where you're like, okay, it's back to the future. So I know time is going to be involved. And then all these clocks that are happening. And it's amazing how like, this is 1985 and it's an, it's an awesome kind of like Easter egg palooza in that. So you have these clocks and you see all of these things that, uh, that start to set up the, the characters and I, I know that a lot of us have kind of talked about when we're taking a look at our, our classroom and things like that, to be able to add a little bit of that mystery and let kids discover their educational stuff along the way. And I think that beginning scene is a real good setup for something like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, the, I mean you can just picture it in the classroom, just if you just set like this, this little like box just out there uh, at the front of the classroom. And as kids are walking in, they're all like looking at like what what what's going on what why is this there why isn't he talking about it why isn't anybody opening it like it's it creates that kind of interest and you're like um is he going to open it is he like and every time you kind of walk by it you think is he going to pick this up is he going to open it is he going to let us open it i mean it's all of that kind of engagement and now you've got kids hooked on what you're saying what this item might be that relates to it and i think that just absolutely brings that hook in for kids um and then you get the payoff of whatever that's going to launch the kids into and all of a sudden they're like oh my gosh this is going to be awesome 
I think also too, like you could do a little foreshadowing in that area too. So, Ooh. you know, we talk about, about the Easter eggs that happened in there. And one of the most, like the, the right off the bat in uh, Easter eggs is the fact that one of those clocks, which notoriously was like, they, the, the producers, I mean, the, the, whoever it was that set it all up had such a hard time trying to get them all to be at the same time. Yeah. But the fact that they walked by it and as you scroll past all those clocks that one of them is is um is the clock tower from uh safety last and um where the 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 comedian um harold lloyd is uh, hanging off the clock the old black and white so it's actually foreshadowing what's going to happen to doc brown doc later oh my gosh i had actually and that's i feel bad guys i watched this movie right before we came in here and <laughs> i did not catch that that is awesome and jordan's going back to go watch this movie. and now i'm gonna go back to watch it okay um awesome. so i love that and and that's where again you have that and I love where you're saying that and thinking about that in, in education as, as we're doing stuff too. Amazing how you can plant those little things. Of course, you know, I know, um, especially like Ryan and I being history teachers, to be able to plant those little things and be like, hey, do you remember that thing that had happened in this unit before and stuff like that? It's come back. And this is like the next thing that goes in. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh man, because it's one of those things. It's amazing how puzzles can really um, jazz up the mind and can really like open you up to new possibilities that you never really thought of before. And really that's kind of like what we're really hoping for in our, in our classroom. So, wow. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm going to have to look back for, yeah. for that one. <laughs> so um, you, you get this, so you have all these clocks and this, um, this teenage kid is, is coming in after all of this stuff. Um, and then you see it is very interesting. It's like eight in the morning and he's decided that he's going to jam out on this like humongous, obviously Doc Brown built amplifier for this kid <laughs> to practice to like jam out for, which is oddly enough where I know a lot of people, they've, I think addressed this because some people were like, how did Doc and Marty even meet? Like what's kind of going on with that? And apparently it was based on that amplifier. Some people have gone back to look at that, that like he wanted to build this really cool amplifier and got hooked in with a scientist that's like, I have these parts and um, all of that. And then of course the very iconic scene that he is directly in front, which of course, now that we're all kind of older, we're all sitting there going, safety man, don't stand right in front of the amplifier. And he just hits that cord and gets shot back. And he's like, man, awesome rock and roll. And some of us are like, ooh, ears, ears. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention, um, my father's a music like he's a musician yes. and when i was little he had a huge giant speaker like in relation to like how size i was when i was younger oh, no. and he was like whatever you do don't press the red button okay all right cool he walks away and like five minutes later i was like looking at that red button going i want to press the red button don't press the red button i want to press the red button and all internal i pressed the red button and i went flying backwards out of that room i was like ah like, ah, that was super loud. I didn't so, learn the lesson. Hadn't yeah. watched Back to the Future yet, apparently. Yes. But, you know, what we were talking about there with that foreshadowing, though, though, that like massive explosion there, like it also sets up like one of those lines that I think also helps us as teachers is when he's like uh, doing the audition for like the Battle of the Bands and like the person who's selecting it like cuts him off. It's like, you're just too loud. And I thought, like, not only is it good foreshadowing, but I think that sometimes talks to us as teachers, if you're an innovative, 
uh, teacher and things like that, that sometimes you're going to get that pushback from colleagues too, of you're too loud, you're doing too much, you're doing all of this other stuff here, but it's also kind of about being true to who you are. And that's, I think a lesson that Marty kind of has to learn. It's like, okay, he doesn't appreciate who I am, but, and what we're trying to do here in something as simple as, you know, wanting to win this battle of the bands competition. Exactly. You know, I love that. I love that, that thought of, you know, how, you know, you're going to be inventing things and, and stuff like that and being able to, you know, say that you're going to have some of those folks and, um, you know, remembering that particular scene where you have these four kind of, you know, they're obviously trying to be kind of sticks in the mud and, and going, Hey, you're just too darn loud. And by the way, there could be my Easter egg. I don't know if you know, but that guy that does that is Huey Lewis. And the band that he plays with is the news and they're the ones that did all of the um, kind of music from uh, as in the, the power of love being the uh, song from that. And that's where you get that ending scene where that you have that first scene where, you know, Doc Brown calls him. He says, Hey, I need you to meet me. Like I have this major breakthrough. You've got to help me at like one in the morning in like a parking lot. Yeah. very scientific yes and you know he's like okay and then all the clocks go off and he's like you know they're all 25 minutes slow and he's like i'm late for school boom and then it starts into the music and then it's again a really cool kind of montage that you get the you know this tour of hill valley and you get to see the the town and we get to where marty's going to school he's late and his um girlfriend who is also uh late and is like you know, you have to go this way to try to avoid the principal, which was uh, obviously it's a play on words, I would assume, because his name is Strickland. Yes. Um, and so, you know, you you have this this thought where, OK, they're trying to kind of sneak in and he catches them and gives them all these, uh, you know, detention slips and, and stuff like that. So I, I would ask for for you guys then, because in the 80s, I think it's a very interesting thing to look at how teachers are portrayed in popular media. And so I would like to know kind of from each of you looking at Strickland, um, is he a good teacher slash administrator? That's, that's a hard thing to say, because I feel like you, you look at it from the standpoint of, okay, he's, he's the principal of a high school. He's got to be, you know, a disciplinarian to a degree. It's, it's a time period when the expectation was that you are under complete control of the kids the entire time. Very true. Um, so it's hard to judge it by what we know today to be best practice with, with students. But I mean, if, yes. I mean, if you put like principal Strickland in a like modern day 2021, high school that man would not last that's <laughs> but you know of the t- of the era you know I, I think that's also a product of you know we p- the perception of teachers and principals is what people experienced in their past and so you gotta think Robert Zemeckis and everybody else who's making making this film they're drawing on what they know and that that probably has some tie in there too. Which, by the way, before we move on, I love that we skipped over the entire oxymoron of the name of the town um, is Hill Valley. Hill Valley, <laughs> yes. No, definitely <laughs> worth mentioning. Exactly, yeah. Hill Valley. All right, Kyle, what do you think? You know, I I think I think it's one of those, especially as we go forward. Like there are plenty of teachers and instructors and uh, and administrators that that are still active in school that in school systems that that are 
remind me lovingly of Strickland. And I think, mm-hmm. I mean, I know that, that we talk about that, that obviously there's development of that character that goes through all the series, but in that first one, we only get a glimpse of him really yeah. um, in those two things. But I think I'm going to skip for, I'm going to skip forward in, in the first movie for a second, but we also do see him later on with his faults. Yes. So we wonder about like, the pressures that are put on administrators as well like is it him trying to adhere to trying to like run a school at that point in time in history to making it like you know like he's so under stress that he's not thinking about it and it does kind of it does make you think as an educator go I really have to pick my words because here's Marty who wants to get ahead and here's this other gentleman who is is trying to keep his job and trying to run a school and and high school is not an easy world to no. to either be in or or help because it's you're trying to keep everything kind of controlled chaos you know and as he gets stressed I think that you know that that whole I noticed that your band's on the roster McFly like why even bother you don't even have a chance you're too much like your old man but like there's that judgment piece of it that comes into it too where you're, where you're kind of like ooh 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 ooh, ooh don't judge one sibling by another sibling don't yes. judge a parent by the child and you know i've 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 heard painfully sometimes that like some of the educators that i work with or i've worked with over the years and like oh i, I had that person's parent so i'm like whoa, whoa, whoa please don't judge me by like my parent please don't judge me by my sibling i don't have a sibling so that'd be really weird if you did but right. at that <laughs> point you know like <laughs> um you know, that nickel's worth of free advice. Like, that's great, but sometimes right. I, I don't need that nickel's worth. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah. Ahead, you think right. about kind of like, I love that you mentioned that, Kyle, because I think that what we think about is where, what is the opportunity there? Mm. And the opportunity there is to realize, hey, I have a relationship with this family because I know that older sibling. And so I've had those interactions. So now you have a sense of we're building a community of learners. We're building a partnership to work for these students' education with the parents, as opposed to being, oh, I knew this kid or I had that kid's parent in class and this isn't going to be good because I had this one negative interaction instead of realizing, hey, this is a different situation. Let's work together. Um, And I think that's always being proactive and looking for those solutions. I think is that is a lesson to take away from that. I would, I would absolutely agree. And, you know, one of these things that I, I do think about when you take a look back at, at some of those teachers, again, I think, Ryan, you have a valid point there that like, you're right in the way of trying to look at where we are now and try and like transpose that realizing that our educational system in 2021 is very different than, than 1985. And yet what you're kind of saying here is that, you know, we're, we're pulling um, you know, we're, we're pulling some of those ideas and sometimes it can also be a powerful thing to, you know, see somebody like that and go, that's somebody that I wouldn't necessarily want to take that advice from that nickel's worth of free advice. Like I, I would see something like that and that's not how I would choose to interact. And sometimes you kind of have those lessons of sometimes that inspirational, yes, that's what I want to do in the classroom. And then have that, yes, that's what I do not want right, to yeah. do in the classroom. And I think that we could kind of see something like that in, uh, in, in Strickland. So right. well, history is going to change. Yeah. And history is going to change. And isn't that very interesting? Again, you threw a foreshadowing thing in there where his history is going to change. And guess what? History did change a little bit of that um, spoiler. So 
Um, we, we have the interaction with Strickland. We've kind of talked about how then Marty kind of does the battle of the bands thing. Um, and then they say, you know, you're just too darn loud and whatever. And even his girlfriend as they're walking or he's like, I'm never going to get to play in front of people. And she's like, no, you're really good. Like take this audition tape, send it in and things like that. And, um, you know, is this thing from doc that they say, which is, you know, remember what doc says, which is if you could put your mind to it you can accomplish anything. And it's amazing how you have that little nugget of what we would call growth mindset these days, even in, in, you know, that time period. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think that that's, that's, I mean, that's the big takeaway from all of this is that, you know, nothing is impossible. Um, if we are dedicated to it, if we're passionate about it, if we put our heart and soul into it, I mean, Doc Brown, creates a time machine out of the DeLorean. Um, but, Wait a um, yeah. Tell me. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's this whole thing is that, you know, he, it's something so improbable, but he's passionate about it. He wants to do it. He wants to get it done and he sees it through to the end. And I think that's always a, a valuable lesson. I think that's the, that's the nugget. That's the moral out of all of it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I think that the, the relationship between Doc and I mean, even kind of going back and forth in this one, you hear Strickland say all this stuff about his father and himself and get it all wrong. Like his mm -hmm. father was a slacker. No, he wasn't. He was being bullied. Like this was a whole I, other thing. And he was actually extremely smart, but he also didn't have any guidance. It didn't look like you don't see any family. You don't see his side of the family ever. So like, you don't know what's going on on that whole side thing. So you don't know if he's really a slacker. Then you see Doc. Doc is already shown to be part of a family that's like extremely brilliant, but how, cause and, and successful because it was a mansion Yes, and, and that it burnt down. And you see that like, here's this leadership from this person who's considered mad, crazy, like out there because he is, he's a scientist and he's thinking outside the box and he's thinking like outside these norms, kind of similar to like our communities on, on Twitter and everything else that like, we're thinking outside the box, we're thinking creatively. So some people look at it and go, what do you mean you're doing games in the classroom? What do you mean you have a storyline in your, in your, in your classroom? Like you're supposed to be learning curriculum. You're like, yeah, but you know, just like the DeLorean, why not do it with some style? Yeah, exactly. exactly. And, yeah. and trying to, you know, even add in more. Cause I think all of us have seen that like, you know, these games and stuff that we do in the classroom or whatever have been able to let us unlock things from kids that we've never been able to unlock in our earlier processes. And so, you know, we've seen the value of stuff like that. And I think that, that you got, you've now kind of hit on something of that whole thought of finding your tribe, that you're going to have the people that are going to say, you're too darn loud. You know, you, and sometimes that's the literal comment that you might have from people of like, you're being too loud in your classroom. And like, it's distracting my kids from the quietness. And then, you know, you, you have the, you know, why not do it with some style? Let's try something a little different. You know, let's, let's get out there and to see all of these gains, finding your group. Cause that's where Marty obviously wasn't finding his mentor and things in the school setting because they clearly were like, this kid's late all the time. He's a slacker. His dad was a slacker. You're not literally hearing from the administrator that you're not going to amount to anything that's probably not going to turn you you know that's going to definitely turn you away but then you have this other side of things where you're seeing these possibilities and i think that you've demonstrated that relationship between you know doc and marty 
I mean, they may not, you know, Marty's not a science kid and things like that, yet he still finds inspiration from this scientist to try and do these different things and to be different, to break the mold, um, to amount to something, to change history, literally. Yeah. I love that. I love the scene um, where he's in the lunchroom with his dad. So after he's gone back to 1955 and he's sitting there and his dad is like writing these like science fiction stories. And he's like, let me, let me read them there. I never knew you did anything creative. He's like, no, I just don't think I could take that kind of rejection. And it's this idea that like, wait a minute, this is somebody in in the 1950s who clearly had, like you said, has no guidance, has no leadership um, or no mentor but has this incredible creative energy. Mm-hmm. And I think it speaks to a little bit of what do we place a value on? I mean, it, 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 in a lot of ways, it's almost a mirror in some ways of what we see even today in 2021 in some cases. What do we put a value on in terms of our classroom of what a kid can do? Exactly. You know, do, they, do they have to complete the recipe you know, of the project or can they do it in a whole nother way? With a DeLorean. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Right. He built a whole other thing out of it. And I mean, you hear it with in the, in the line and it's mirrored twice. Yeah. What if I send it in? You know, what if they, what if they don't like it? Uh, uh, what if they said, I'm no good. Yeah. What if they say, get out of here, kid, you got no future. You know, like yeah. that line right there that runs through all of our minds as kids. Yeah. It runs through so many other students because look at the, look at the families that, that, that in the situations, the environmental factors that some of these students are coming from. And I mean, they're, they're trying to break their molds that doesn't mean they don't have doubts and they need to have it's like it's like what mentor are they going to latch on to like who's there to really help them and I mean when we listen about like everybody who does those side missions and like you know like yeah yeah I did it this way but you completely changed it like you didn't actually follow the rubric which side note I hate rubrics but like like when they do that and they're like I came up with a completely different way is that okay yeah that's great you know I just I love when they you know build it out of a DeLorean Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so speaking of which, because I do think that that is is very uh, interesting that as we're you know talking about this time machine being a, a DeLorean, that yet you wonder that being a fairly new and interesting invention from the '80s that didn't last. I I didn't last much longer than the movie. I would say only a couple years worth of production. Yet it's interesting. Like you almost can't picture like if you see a if you ever see a DeLorean which how many of us have ever seen a DeLorean um driving driving as you're like on the highway and stuff both of you guys are raising your hands that's crazy (laughs) I don't think I have ever seen a a DeLorean like other than literally being a back to the future machine um and so it's really interesting how you know what we've been talking about that whole breaking the mold and yet you know this DeLorean is such this like definitive thing that's just so connected to this movie I will say I have never seen I have never seen the gull wing like from the movie like the style the, the way the doors open I've seen like the kind of the slide up uh, kind of sports car uh, okay. doors open one but yeah it's a it's a very uh, kind of tight uh, aspect of the movie that you have that nice call into the into the current culture as they're kind of in, inserting it into the film uh, which I think is kind of a neat way to bridge past to to present. 
Do you think that it would have been, um, you know, as definitive, like, as in when we talk about, you know, the Back to the Future, if, I mean, it's 1985, Toyota was huge back then. Could you imagine that scene where, you know, he, he goes to Twin Pines Mall and he's going in and, you know, Einstein's out there and he's like, hey, where's the doc, buddy? And you hear this, you know, and then outside very slowly, you see the time machine. And could you imagine all of a sudden if you see a 1985 Toyota Corolla? just <laughs> Toyota is in the movie in all fairness, it fairness it's 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 the it's the truck Heck, yeah uh, right so, I mean they do they do get it in there but I think it's I think I mean I don't remember quite what was happening with because I'm not the biggest of car people but like the DeLorean is it was unique back then because right. it was a stainless steel car right right yeah but it's also it was unique back then. It's still unique now. So in some cases, like they just chose a car that was, it, it is in the movie, arguably a character. Like it is absolutely yes. a part of a part of that movie and like should be listed on IMDb as like Time Machine, the DeLorean, you know? But I think that that also speaks to like, when you do anything with that line, do it with style. Like that is a styled car from back then. And it is still, it might be a dated car we might not see it being on the road but there's a lot of things that came out of that car that is used today yeah well and i think also i mean i guess it just begs the question of when you think delorean anymore how many people actually think of john delorean almost no one they think of the they think of back to the future yeah i mean that's that i mean that's the whole thing i mean I would almost bet you if you asked anybody who didn't grow up in the 80s and know kind of who John DeLorean was, if you asked them about it, they're like, oh, yeah, that was the car that they created for, the, for Back to the Future. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, that was not they did not create that car for yeah. the movie. Yet it almost seems like, I mean, that, that it would that it would really fit in there. And knowing that, again, you've kind of talked about that and like, you know, the DeLorean being its own character. And, and having that style, making it so definitive as in picking something that was not very common. As in, again, if you would have thought about that, the Toyota Corolla is something that you could very easily grab. It's almost that, um, not to throw a Doctor Who reference in there, but when you look at like the TARDIS being the other machine, like the, another time machine, they picked the outside of the TARDIS because they were like, it's something that could kind of blend in. Yet it's really interesting that he almost went this other way by saying, do it something with style, but like the DeLorean's not something that, you know, when you go into the future or the past, you're really ever gonna see. Um, and so, and yet that kind of makes it this interesting definitive character, this sort of like, again, where you're saying nobody, nobody thinks of a DeLorean unless they think of this movie. And so thinking about that as, again, some of our educational choices that we have of saying that like, yeah, you know, we, we really want to embrace that style and we want to be those, you know, unique teachers creating those unique experiences that way kids think back to, you know, their, their middle school time and whatever, it's almost like you're their DeLorean. Like, you know, I, I went through all my grades and whatever, but I will always remember, you know, Mr. Stevens class because we got to go through this, you know, really cool uh, Indiana Jones thing and I've never done something like that's never happened in my educational career. You've basically created your DeLorean moment. We call it yeah. that the DeLorean yeah. effect. Did we just invent something here on Tuesday? Hashtag, hashtag DeLorean moment. Hashtag DeLorean effect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's real. It just happened. We made it up. So um, I think, yeah. I think there's another like lesson as I'm kind of coming through all this, because there's this wonderful uh, thing that if you 
not to like push us too far into like back to the future two and three, but right. um, the, the fact that Crispin Glover never appears again in the whole trilogy. And there's this wonderful reference as to why he doesn't, because when he, when Marty comes back, his family's like rich and they're, and they're successful and he's got all of this stuff. And Crispin Glover, basically he hated that ending because he said that it's suggesting that just being rich is what's going to make you happy. Yeah. And I thought that's a powerful lesson for kids too, is to understand that like, do what you love. Okay. Before you start thinking about like whatever wealth that might come with that. Um, and that's going to be a much more rewarding life. And I think that's a powerful lesson for, for kids too, to see. You know, yeah. you've just kind of talked about that. I'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw in on that when you kind of, again, take a look at the, yeah, the, the ending of the film. Cause yeah, you know, he's kind of struggling during that time. Like, you know, his car has been wrecked by Biff and whatever in this alternate. And then you come back and like, everything is really nice. It's up to date. They have multiple cars, including a BMW, um, you know, all of these awesome things. Yet when you take a look at it, why was that a success? How was he a success? And it was because, as you were talking about, he did what he loved, where originally, again, he wrote all this stuff. He had these, you know, things that even, you know, Mario's like, get out of town. I never thought you did anything creative. You know, let me, <laughs> let me see it. And, you know, throughout that process, you know, the character of George McFly ends up kind of like developing his backbone. He stands up to, you know, his bullies and, you know, finds his confidence gets himself out there as a writer and that's what he was doing but like that's where you're saying that like the, the ending isn't for him to have the wealth to yeah. to have the happy ending the for George McFly the happy ending was that he got to do what he loved which is to write these science fiction books that he never would have been able to if he wouldn't have found the confidence during this whole process to follow his dream right right and I think that's and that's kind of the the, the the downfall of of a movie versus if it was a novel or something different because like in a novel you could do the internal sort of aspect of it but like the movie how do you show that in what was that a five minute scene that like right. the house never changes they still live in the same house like some of the things never change so like it's not necessarily all about material but then at the same time like they have multiple cars like how many people like we might have two cars now some people might have a little bit more because they have larger families but like that's that have, some people struggle to even get one car but they still feel successful in life yeah yeah and i think we we talked about that confidence coming and kyle you had mentioned it about like the the bullying aspect that was going on to george mcfly in in, in the 50s and it's a very like stereotypical vision of what we would think of of bullying in the schools and more than likely reflects what the 50s bullying would have been mm -hmm. um but i think the confidence that george mcfly gets when he finally stands up to his bully not that we want to encourage like physical violence as the solution to the problem right. but he's the fact that he's able to finally stand up to his literally. Yeah, I mean, literally, literally yeah, stand literally. up in the it's movie. The in the yeah. whole movie, he is he is hunched yeah. over. I know I'm doing this on a podcast, yeah. and, but he <laughs> is hunched over, and he is never holding himself back up. He kind of looks like you know, like there. He's trying to pass that like slacker sort of feeling. By the end of the movie, where like his uh, where where McFly's uh, when Marty's whole future is fading out like you see his whole demeanor change you see crispin glover who is a tall guy stand all the way upright he puts his back like finally up and stands proper and it's like boom that's when it all comes back 
Right. Yeah. It's, it's that moment when you, whatever that obstacle is, you know, that, that overcoming it. And in his case, it's this fact that he's being bullied and and intimidated and he's um, saying, no, I'm not going to like take this anymore. um, Because I'm, yeah. Yeah. That's really what it is. It's the aha moment that we see with kids. Like when we see them, I mean, I teach sixth grade, but when you see them click it together and go, Oh, science and history are related with each other and you're like yeah they're inseparable you know Mm -hmm. when you see a kid graduate and i've been lucky enough to see a couple of students graduate now or like email me and and they might have struggled when they were in sixth grade and you see them like they've developed they're going into college they need references now for jobs and you're like they found it they did it like they made it through whatever the background was like they they made it all the way through and it's it's it is a little bit of, of a time machine that you get to kind of experience this success and i mean it is it's it's it is a it is a part where like what ryan said like no we don't want to encourage that physical violence again it's a movie and and not entirely uh not entirely based on what we want to see ever happen but right see somebody capture their confidence either academically or social emotionally like that is something that is just you, you can't you can't change how that feels as an educator when you see that student goes through it you may not be able to like, you know, stand up and have that, you know, punching Biff moment and something like that, but you can really knock a project out of the park that you put your time and effort in and it can give you just as hard, if not even more so than a confidence boost in something that you're able to do and opens up to say like, you know, maybe I didn't think about history as much, but like, man, I really did great on this project and whatever. I wonder what else I could do really great. And that can fire up that interest. And it's the same thing for writing again, as George McFly did, you know, he's submitting his writing and all of a sudden he has English as a passion that he's really able to, to work with science. You know, if you're going the, the doc Brown route, um, So I think it is, there's this underlying current throughout the movie that like finding your passions and finding what makes you happy is this humongous deal that we see in, uh, in back to the future. So Ryan. Okay. So I, I, I mean, I love what you're saying there, but I think that there's also this element, this undercurrent of just recognizing that it's all about, it's a movie that's about going to the past to fix something. Right. And yet at the end of the day, what you realize is that we are all a product of our past. And it's this understanding that you can't go back and fix that, but what did you learn from it? How did you overcome something in the future because of your experience in the past? And I think the fact that you carry that story with you uh, along the way, I think is a powerful uh, lesson as well. And being able to, again, break that mold, because Mm -hmm. again, as you see for George McFly, you know, he's got Biff and his buddies that are, you know, on him in 1955 and it continues to 1985. And then yet we see then what happens when you have that confidence, when you break that mold and you change it. And that's even something for us to think about as teachers. What is the mold that we've put ourselves into? And what are those things that we can do? How can we find our DeLorean effect, pop ourselves out of that and go, oh, that worked really well. I wonder what else I could do. I wonder what other innovative things that I can do in the classroom. Well, it's also that effect of like, what do we do in the classroom that affects the student and how does that affect yeah. the student going forward too as well because that mantra that they use the um if you can do if you can put your mind to it you can accomplish anything mm-hmm. it's said um three times in the movie yes it's first said by his girlfriend to marty mm-hmm. marty then 
takes it but doesn't really listen to it and says it to George kind of like superficially and was like, listen, you can do everything. I'm going to change your, I'm going to change everything. But then it's not until George says it to Marty at the very end of the movie that Marty goes, oh, yeah, really? I get this now. Like I've now, I now understand, like I had to spend this whole entire time trying to fix what I did by accident. Exactly. You know, I just, I love, I love that, like that power of three and just like somebody said it to me. "Uh Uh-huh. Okay. I said it to somebody else. Yeah. Okay. Wait, hold on. They really took that. Now they're saying it back to me. Like I can't tell how many times I say something to a student and I'm like, listen, this is what you want to do. And later on, like I'll have a hard day or I'll tough day or like a lesson didn't go out the way it was. They say it back to you and you're like, oh yeah, I get that. Like, I understand. Like, I mean, when we say the power of yet, we say the power of failure. We say, how many times do we say to the kids to get them over something? And sometimes it's hard on us as educators because we're like, oh man, like I spent hours on that. I didn't, that lesson didn't go where I wanted it to go. And we get down on ourselves and the students turn around and they're like, yeah, but you tried. And you're like, oh, oh, you're, you're, I see what happened here. You're telling me what, ah, yes, yes, yes. But like, it's a great moment. You walk away going, that lesson didn't work, but it did at the same time. Exactly. So, all right. I think we have enough time for everybody to kind of have one final thing. If you want to kind of end on, on something, you're like, we haven't talked about this, that kind of one last thing. So I'm going to give you guys a little bit of time to think about it because I'm going to throw one in, which is it's one of those things that actually runs through a couple of the movies, which is when Doc Brown is planning what he's going to do to do the clock tower thing and stuff like that. He has this model of the of basically downtown Hill Valley. And he does this thing, this little thing, which is where he's like, okay, you know, I'm going to go ahead and explain, take a look at this. And he's, you know, he immediately gets down on himself where he's like, oh, it's not to scale. I haven't painted it. Like it's not there yet. And whatever. Marty's like, what are you talking about? Like, it looks great. Like, it's fine. I know exactly. I know exactly what's happening. And I will say, I know that's one of the things that I know that I can identify with as a, as an educator, when I'm building those experiences and stuff like that, because doc didn't wait until everything was a hundred percent you know, he still got it out there. He always could have come back and fixed the model and, and all of that kind of stuff. But if he would have just kind of like, but he also didn't like draw it out on a sheet of paper and like, here you go. Like he actually still, he stepped it up a notch, but he immediately kind of knocked himself down by saying, you know, this wasn't, this wasn't as good as I, as I could make it and, and things like that. But yet it itself is still something that's like really amazing. Like he took a watch face to make the clock tower. And, you know, did all of that stuff. And so I would say that's one of the things I think about as an educator sometimes, which is, again, for your DeLorean effect, like, get it out there. Give yourself that that opportunity. And, you know, sometimes it's better to kind of get it out there. And you can always paint the model later. So I think mine kind of like builds a little bit on that because it's like uh, it's the earlier step when like he's like watching the. the t- the video recorded playback of the first like <laughs> time machine like trial like and he goes what did I say there one point twenty one gigawatts which I'm like no that's gigawatt but okay um yes. he does that and then he says uh and all of this is just like the the only thing that would have this you know in 1955 is a bolt of lightning and unfortunately you never know when they're gonna strike and it's like well we do now and I always think about that like as kids are doing something and they're like, oh, I, there's no way I can do it. Because this is the only way that this, uh, the only way I could do this is if I did this. I'm like, well, what if you did that? What might it look like? Mm-hmm. And then they're like, 
oh, I said, yeah, I'll give you a couple extra days. I'll give you a couple extra days to play with that and see if it works. And then they turn this in and they're like, oh my gosh, I had a kid who did this. We did our abolitionist superheroes thing and they wanted to do um, Julia Ward Howe, imagining her as uh, Harley Quinn because that's like their favorite comic book character, which was a really interesting take. And I said, here's, here's a template for the visuals here. You don't have to use this, but it's a good idea because it kind of gives you some structure. And this girl said, can I like create an animated avatar of my character? Like, I don't know how I would get it to school. I said, well, how are you going to build it? She's like, well, I'm going to build it on my laptop, but I don't know if I can bring that in. What if you could bring your laptop in and just like carry that around the, and show everybody your animated avatar? It's like, I can do that. Like, yeah, what, why not? Let's try it. Build that DeLorean moment. Yeah, exactly. Just, just give it a shot. All right, Kyle. I think mine's, a, like you guys are went so deep and I think mine's not as quick. As, <laughs> I think my favorite part is sometimes like that whole mill that whole movie builds to the part where he sits in that delorean so you like you take the model you take everything he sits in that delorean and it's ready to go back to his timeline and it's like marty sits in that delorean here's that 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 the, the delorean car here's everything planned out and he's like time circuits on flux capacitor fluxing, fluxing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> engine running engine running <laughs> all right let's yeah. And I think that's like sometimes as an educator and as a student, like it just to just bring it into like my own as an educator, like time circuits on. Yeah, lesson plans done. And then you step into the classroom and they come in there for the end. You're like flux capacitor, fluxing. Let's see what happens. Like we're good, engines running. Let's uh, let's let's find out what's happening. And I just I love that part because it's a leap of faith. And yeah. I obviously stole out of Indiana Jones. Sorry, but like it is just that like that moment where you you got to go you got to at some point or another you got to stop all the hypotheticals you got to stop the models you got to stop the try like that whole little like what if what if what if what if you just got to sit down in the driver's seat and hit the gas and like it is going to be what it's going to be exactly i couldn't and you got that and you got that you know you got your partner there who's going to make certain that, that the cables are connected it's going to work there's your like administrative support yes Ooh, to get you there you go your administrative support to get you where you need to go um all right well guys um we have two more back to the future movies so i'm i'm hoping that you guys are going to be coming back on so that we can do we can dive into part two and part three um so kyle and ryan thank you guys for uh coming in and uh i know we are out of time I was going to throw that in the little license plate from back to the future. So um, everybody out there listening, thank you guys so much for joining us um, on this journey. We look forward to seeing you for the next episode. And until then, take care.